You're listening to sermons from St. Thomas Anglican Mission, located in Matthews County, Virginia, striving to live out the ancient faith through common prayer. Here's what we have for you this week. This morning we're in the second, this is the second Sunday after the Epiphany. Um, The Epiphany is that that time when we remember the the Magi, or the wise men, these Gentiles uh, coming to the manger, coming to uh, see Christ. Actually, they didn't come to the manger. It was like a, a year or so later. So they technically weren't there. But anyways, these Gentiles, they came to see uh, God incarnate, uh, God manifest in, in this child. And so uh, that's, that's what uh, the Epiphany season, that's what Epiphany Day was about, is about. And in our gospel passage this morning was obviously... Uh, pertaining to John the Baptist, and when Jesus came to him, uh, and he baptized Jesus when he brought him up, you know, the heavens opened, and a, a dove descended, and God spoke, God the Father spoke, and in that moment, uh, there was this this epiphany, this uh, sudden realization of the manifestation of this truly is you know, God, this is the Son of God, uh, the only begotten Son of God. And in our epistle passage, uh, St. Paul shares what, that he, he wrote to the church in Rome, talks about uh, essentially uh, the manifestation of Christ through us uh, as, as believers and what, what, uh, how we should conduct ourselves and how we should live and how we need to operate in this world so that people can see Jesus in us. And that's actually what I want to spend the next uh, few moments talking about is, is Paul's uh, writings to the church in Rome. So in our epistle passage this morning, we hear about proper uh, Christian conduct, um, specifically towards one another, um, which is something that you know we take for granted, but if we can't love one another as believers and treat one another as believers appropriately and, and the way we're meant to, how can we ever love those outside of the church appropriately and treat them with the respect and dignity that they as human beings deserve. Um, if we can't love people here that, that's, that kneel at this same rail with us, or you know, people who call uh, relevant or living waters or any other church and county, you know, if we can't live in harmony with those people, with these, our fellow brothers and sisters, do we really have any hope of reaching the world with the message? That's when we have this thing of being called hypocrites all the time. It's because we don't really do a good job of loving one another and showing the way. So sometimes, uh, sometimes uh, the text that's appointed for us on any given Sunday is so clear that there's not much that really needs to be added to it. And that's what this morning is. Uh, I mean, it's, it's in pretty straightforward as you read through what the Apostle Paul he, he dictated or he wrote down and he said, uh, this is the way to do, to conduct yourselves. So let's relook at our, our epistle passage and break it into two different chunks, starting with verse 9. But for ease, uh, I'm going to break it up using the NIV uh, instead of the King James. As much as we love the King James, sometimes it's, it's uh, easier to uh, and beneficial to look at it from a different point of view. And so... Verses 9 through 12 say, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. 
Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourself. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, joyful and, and faithful in prayer. So as Christians, this is how we're to live. This is how we're to conduct our lives. Uh, our love for one another, uh, for our fellow brothers and our fellow sisters, must be genuine, with no strings attached. You know, it, it can't be, well, I would love you if you didn't go to that church, but that's not really the real church. You should come to this church. No, they, we, we love, it must be sincere. It's, no, you accept Christ as Savior, you've bent the knee, that's all, that, that's what matters. Um, and, and, and so we must love our fellow brothers and our fellow sisters and, and, and not add any of these extra strings or attachments to it or whatnot. Um, you know, obviously we're to hold one another accountable and we're to lift one another up. So, of course, I mean, if a brother or a sister is walking in error and falling into sin and all that, we should hold them accountable. I mean, that's what Paul says, we're to hate what is evil. We're to hold each other accountable and say, hang on, I don't think Jesus told us to do things that way. That's not exactly in harmony and in alignment with the gospel, you know. But I think that's also how we, we love each other because we want the best for each of us, right? We want each of us to become more and more like Christ. Christianity is not a selfish thing. It's, it's very much... Uh, a corporate thing. That's why if you if you rewind a little bit in this same passage, Paul talks about how there's many members, but we're one body. And so it's St. Thomas and, and Relevant, all these, we're all just one body. We're all part of the same one body. And so we got to love one another. We have to hold one another accountable. We have to do our part so that we all can, can, can find ourselves enjoying uh, eternal life. <coughs> And that promised life abundant that Christ offered to us. You know, and our, our, uh, our commitment to one another, it has to be rooted in love. The same sort of love that we show our family members. Um, you know, which is basically means that uh, we might annoy one another, annoy one another and get on each other's nerves and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, we still walk with each other. We still recognize that, you know, we're we're blood or we're kin or this or that. And so we choose to, to walk in love with each other and, and, and pursue uh, the righteous path. And so, you know, that's, that's, that's part of what it means to be a Christian and how we relate to our fellow Christians. Of course, these things have application to how we relate to the world. But again, more importantly, if we can't live this way amongst ourselves and between ourselves, there's no hope of us really living this way out in the world. In St. John's Gospel, Jesus tells us, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved ye, that ye also love one another, and by this all men will know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love to one another. So how's the world to know that we truly are genuine believers and Christians and we truly do follow after Jesus, after, you know, Yeshua, the, the Jewish king? It's by our love for one another. doesn't matter, rich, poor, you know, uh, 
African American, Asian, white, none of that matters. It's our common faith that we share, you know, our common faith. And that's what holds us together. And that and the love that we show there is how the world will know that, oh yeah, there there is something about those people who, you know, decide to go sit in a building on Sunday mornings every week. And so, while we should always strive to love one another, let us not forget that the greatest commandment, though, is to not uh, love each other. That's actually the second. The greatest is love God. Love God with everything that we have. We heard it the, this morning as I shared how the Lord God said, we, Jesus said we're to love the Lord our God with all our you know, heart, all our soul, all our mind, and then our neighbor. So St. Paul tells us that we need to maintain our spiritual fervor and our devotion to God. Uh, because in doing that, in loving God the way we're to love him, and, and spending the time in prayer, and spending the time in scripture, and spending the time in worship, and spending the time communing with the Father, and all those things, those things prepare us to love each other in this room, which in turn prepares us to love everyone outside of this room. Because if we don't maintain, if we, if we forget our first love, if we forget our love for God, because we get so busy in doing all the things that we're supposed to do, whether it's you know, running services or feeding homeless or you know, giving out backpacks or whatever the number of things, it might, or even our day job, you know, crunching numbers and spraying for bugs or whatever. If we get so tied up in all these things that we forget that God wants us to, to spend time with him and to talk with him, uh, eventually we, uh, despite our best efforts, we will drift apart and it will result in a loss of fellowship, which ultimately will mean eventually we're no longer a body because we've walked away from our first love. And so if we're really to be this example to the world, we can't do that. We must maintain our fervor and maintain uh, our, our spiritual fervor and our zeal and our serving of the Lord. Because everything comes out of that. The love comes forth from that. So maintain love for your brother and sister by loving our Father. And in verses uh, 13 to 16, share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Or, yeah, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. And do not be conceited. So as we love our brother and sister, uh, we're to do our part to ensure that their needs are met. All right, like for instance, uh, uh, when, when Diana broke her head, and we hope and pray that nothing serious happened from the fall yesterday, but when she broke her hip, you know, we were like, hey, Matthew, is there anything? Uh, and even Mary, we reached out to her. Is there anything we can do? Provide meals or do this. What can we do? Because we're to be there. We're supposed to be there and be available for one another and help meet our needs. Uh, because let's face it, sometimes um, some of us, the Lord needs to work on our humility a little bit, and we might not ask. So we have to be up front and be like, hey, what, what can I do for you? Is there some need I can meet? Can I come over and can I pray with you? Can I make you some meals? Can I, uh, 
you know, take you to somewhere because you're not supposed to be driving, or whatever the case may be, or even, I know you've taken a massive hit financially because you've broken yourself and you can't work. Is there a way that can help keep your electricity on? I mean, there's a variety of things we should be doing for our brother and sister. Um, and not just that, we're to practice hospitality. Hey, just come, you can come, come sit at our table and enjoy dinner with our family. You know, just come and be amongst God's people. You're going through a rough patch and it's easy to curse God and to blame God, but just come and be amongst his people and just sit and just soak in his presence and just eat and just have good fellowship. You know, we're to open our house to, to one another. Because sometimes the Christian walk can get very lonely in a sense because we just feel like heavens are closed and nothing's hearing. God's not hearing us. And so, you know, we're, we get supremely frustrated when really it's like God might be trying to speak to us through, his brother, through our brother or through our sister. And we just got to be willing to, you know, uh, let people invite us into their life. And we have to let people, we have to also invite people into ours. As I've said time and time again, both uh, at Oak Grove and at my house and in other places, that uh, th that quote that uh, a, a pastoral mentor who passed away said, ministry is meeting people at their point of need. And whether that person or that family is or is not a part of St. Thomas, uh, all who bear the name of Christ are our family. Whether it's Bellamy or whether it's uh, uh, the Church of the Nazarene that we're praying for. That's why we pray for these various churches every week because whether it's the Church of the Nazarene or last week Church of St. Francis de Salas or wherever, each and every single one of these other churches in Matthews are our family. And that's why each and every week we pray for one of the churches in our jurisdiction, the OAC. This week it's um, uh, St. Luke's in, in Bowling Green. Last week it was Brookville down in Florida because we're all family. And that's the same reason why we pray for each of these individuals, whether it's Margaret or it's Lynn or it's Diana or it's uh, Charity or whoever the case may be, the Convalescent Center or those in Afghanistan because they're all family. And while, of course, you know, thousands of miles, we can't exactly open our house to Afghanistan believers, but we can open our hearts to them. You know, we can find reputable organizations to sow into that can help bless those people. We can make it a point to pray for those people. There's a whole variety of ways that we can share with what we have with God's people. You know, we stand, and we're to stand with one another, not just in good times, but in bad times. It's very much like a, a marriage, you know, through the, the good and the bad, the same thing in family. You know, you're to stand with family through the good, through the bad. And that's, that's what we are called to do. If we abandon our own in times of trial and in times of tribulation, think of the message that sends to those that don't believe in Christ. It tells them, I don't want to be part of that because once, I, once things get rough, they're going to abandon me. And that's not the gospel message. The beauty of the gospel is that all Christians are equal. Or at the very least, we're meant to be. Scripture tells us that there's neither slave nor free, there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither male nor female. Everyone's 
equal when it comes to our need of Christ and bending a knee before him. Uh, I often hear, at the foot of the cross, the ground is flat. And no one is higher, no one's better. It doesn't matter if you sit out there or you stand here. We're all equal in the eyes of God. And so don't be proud. Associate with those people who who society deems as being beneath them. I mean, look at Jesus. He was constantly in the house of uh, tax collectors and uh, deal, talking with prostitutes and tax collectors and uh, other uh, people of ill report or whatever the, the thing, uh, whatever other terminology you want to use. Jesus was constantly interacting with these people. And you know what the, the thing about it is? Uh, these people... Were of the same faith as Jesus. They were all, they were Jewish people. So they were equal in God's eyes. But the religious leaders looked at him and said, no, that's a tax collector. He's way down at the bottom. But Jesus said, no. When he, his, the offerings the tax collector offers and the offerings that the Pharisee offers are equal in the eyes of God. So we must be willing to associate with, with all people that claim Christ as their Lord. You know, we can, say, uh, the, we can say with our lips that everyone is equal and stuff, but, you know, we must really work at making that a reality, especially in this modern time, because let's face it, uh, there's a political problem in the church where we have a tendency to despise our fellow brothers and sisters if they are of a different political persuasion of us. We th say they're, you know, stupid or, or moron or dumb or this or that. Uh, and we forget that we're brothers and sisters. We somehow elevate our political positions and our political opinions above the blood of Christ. And that's a shame. Uh, and when we do that, we find ourselves in trouble. Uh, because... There's no, there's no place for us to be fighting amongst ourselves with that. You know, Jesus, Jesus interacted with a whole variety of people. And if he was here today, I have to believe he would interact with Republicans as well as Democrats and Independents and Green and all these other political parties as well as the homeless and the rich and all these. And so we're called to do the same exact thing. If we cannot even figure out how to live and love and fellowship as believers, we stand no chance of changing our, our world, our culture, our society, or even our county. Because after all, if we lack love for one another, if we lack love for those of different uh, opinions and different denominations or whatever, if we lack love for one another, it's a sure bet that eh, we might not even be disciples. Or we're really bad ones. And so this, this stuff that Apostle Paul wrote, and he said there's a lot there. There's a whole lot there. There's a lot that needs to be heard and practiced by Christians today as much as way back then in the beginnings. Um, it's a shame 2,000 years later, and we really haven't learned from when St. Paul said, do these things. Here we are 2,000 years later, still needing St. Paul to tell us, do these things. 
we must practice Christian love for one another. Metropolitan Anthony Bloom, uh, an Eastern Orthodox bishop, he once said, we should try to live in such a way that if the Gospels were lost, they could be rewritten by looking at us. And how would that even be possible? Well, we take the words of St. Paul to heart and we do the hard work of being a Christian. That's how it's possible. That is how. If the gospel was lost tomorrow, we could reclaim it and rewrite it. Truth be told, as we go about our lives interacting with those that believe and those that don't, we should be mindful of the fact that we are Christ's ambassadors. And for some folks, we may be their only connection to Jesus during whatever situation they're walking through. So go forth and live to the best of your ability in harmony and in love with your brothers and your sisters. And when there's problems, bring it to Christ and bend the knee and ask forgiveness of him and of them. So that the example we lead will bring transformation, will bring revolution to the world. Now unto God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost, be all honor and glory, both now and forever. Amen.